Welcome to the Vitality Coach Podcast with me, your host, Nikki Fogden-Moore. Join me for celebrity interviews, behind-the-scenes training sessions, combined with practical advice on how you can feel fantastic. Tune in for easy-to-implement tips and tools on healthy food and fitness. Learn how to look and feel your personal best without turning your life upside down. Welcome to Feeling Fantastic. And welcome back to the Vitality Coach a podcast and also the Influencer Series where I have the extreme pleasure and the opportunity to talk with real game changers inside their industries and also people that are deciding that life's not just about commercial success but making a difference in three core pillars of leadership. With me today is Boris Musa from Mainstream Aquaculture. Boris, congratulations. You're Young Executive of the Year according to Boss Magazine. Uh, thank you for joining me today. It's my pleasure, Nikki. Thank you for having me. And I know I'm putting you right on the spot here with We've, um, you know, you've got a busy day. I've managed to grab you in the heart of Melbourne. And today we're going to talk about a couple of topics. The first one, I think, is probably, um, you know, personal governance over and above corporate governance and what it takes to really be a leader that means you can balance business and personal vitality. Yes, like uh, like being successful commercially, I think personal governance involves a, a level of discipline and, and focus and, and investment. And um, uh, we were having a conversation before uh, we, we started filming around the risk of, of being so intensely focused as an executive that uh, you, you lose that aspect. And I think in order to be successful as an executive, you really need to be successful as a person. And you mentioned before, you know, you've been fortunate enough, you've done a lot of roles, you know, young in your career, like myself, we probably threw ourselves into things and, and said yes to a lot of opportunities. You've had some great mentors. And one of the resounding things you reflected on is those mentors often mentioned that their business success came at a price of their personal well-being. Yes, they did communicate. I mentioned that uh, one of their main regrets was that uh, there was a level of sacrifice personally. And um, um, in hindsight, with the benefit of hindsight in reflecting back, they felt that they could uh, have achieved both. They could have achieved both greater personal family-based success and uh, still been as successful as they ultimately were professionally. So just to give the the listeners and the the viewers a little bit more of um, an understanding, could you maybe give a really quick two-minute synopsis about, you know, your history in business and, and what your drive is at the moment as CEO and Managing Director of Mainstream Aquaculture. Yeah, well, I think I have an interesting history, albeit brief. I'm still starting out uh, as an executive, but um, I had aspirations uh, in leaving high school to be a, a marine biologist. So I was a big um, uh, advocate for Jacques Cousteau. And um, uh, I enrolled in uh, marine biology in, in Warrnambool and um, my personal circumstances at home were a bit challenging. So I decided to stay at home uh, rather than go to Warrnambool and uh, conduct a, a diploma of, of natural resource management. Uh, I then transitioned into environmental science at uh, Deakin University and, and met uh, a gentleman who was uh, at the time in a senior role with BT Investment Management. And he said, you should uh, try and assume some commerce subjects. I think you would be good at them. And so I, I did. And I ended up transitioning to a, a Bachelor of Commerce with majors in finance and accounting and forged a, a path in, in financial services. And it's very interesting how the world works in that um, I crossed paths with a business called Mainstream Aquaculture whilst uh, employed at Macquarie and uh, was fortunate enough to um, take a a non-executive role with with Mainstream. So had a number of years getting to know the business and getting to know the aquaculture uh, industry opportunity. And um, we ultimately found a way for me to transition on a full-time basis. So I feel it's been a 
a circular process. Um, I've I've landed where I started, and uh, I'm very passionate uh, about what we're doing, um, feeding people with uh, premium, uh, sustainably produced protein. Yeah, and I think just on that, to give some context, I read somewhere that one in every two barramundi that's consumed worldwide actually has come from your source um, in the is it the the fingerlings, the young brood tanks that you have in your farm. We're incredibly proud of of, of that business. So we have uh, we have two businesses really at Mainstream. One is the consumer business where we grow barramundi for uh, the marketplace, both domestically and internationally. And the other business is an industry uh, business where we produce uh, juvenile barramundi that go to multiple farms all over the world and are on-grown and, um, and sold into uh, various markets. So we actually export uh, those juvenile fish that come from our stock improvement program to 20 countries now. And uh, it's very satisfying to think that whether you're eating a barramundi in New York or, or London or Dubai... Uh, there's a very good chance it originated from our selective breeding program and our facility right here in Melbourne. And I, th- I think I want to make a link here with the, you know, obviously this industry and aquaculture and agriculture, they've got really, really strong governances, a lot of guidelines and safety and also sustainability. It's a big thing at the moment. How can we give back to our oceans? I actually also was very interested in marine biology as a kid. I think I did all the sh- projects at school on sharks. Yeah, exactly. So one of the things that I think is evident in the culture and Werribee Farm, where you're just out of Victoria, out of Melbourne, sorry, where you're based, is it seems to be that people are really proud of what you're doing inside the industry. And that culture also means personally people feel they're making a difference. How do you as a CEO and a leader encourage that sense of vitality and connection in your end product, but also day to day for your teams? Well, I think I have uh, a tremendous advantage in that we're we're growing a a fish and and in doing so, we're substituting fish that are derived from capture fisheries. And uh, I think seafood is the only protein that is predominantly um, sourced from the wild. And and that's not sustainable. Uh, 90% of, of global capture fisheries are either fully exploited or overexploited. So it's um, it's a very strong theme uh, that we can communicate and that does permeate throughout the business, that here we are operating a fully contained, enclosed business, uh, growing a, a premium source of, of protein and in doing so, preserving the integrity of, of wild fisheries all over the world. Uh, I think that's something uh, that, that we have that's really special. And um, I think as, as leaders, we shouldn't assume that that sort of information is is going to diffuse through throughout the organization and and throughout the stakeholder base we need to communicate that that's that's our job and we make sure we remind people that um, every single role uh, in our business is making a difference and, and it's making a difference to a very important mission so uh, if you were to talk about you know as your company grows you bring on new staff obviously you're changing cultures when you grow, you need new processes and standard operating procedures, and that kind of puts people in sort of an automated format. So you have to go back to culture again. What would be two things you think that you do from the top down that, that helps your everyday worker feel connected to where the business is going? Well, uh, coming back to the, the communication theme, I think it's really critical to um, articulate not just the objective and the mission, but also translate that into the the journey. What do we need to do um, day after day, week after week, month after month to deliver our objectives? Um, So there's an ongoing 
a process of interacting uh, with the organisation to make sure that um, we don't deviate from what we're trying to achieve and, and we all recognise that we play a, a really important role. So oh, there are a number of, of cultural aspects that we're trying to, to inculcate throughout the business. That's an obvious one, communication flow, transparency, um, information. Uh, we had a conversation before we started filming uh, around presentation, mm-hmm. people that present themselves well, people that present their cars well, their business as well. A little theme we try and incorporate in our company is we, we don't leave clutter lying around. Everything has a home. Um, everything is clean. You know, we take tremendous pride uh, in what we're doing and and that starts with me as a leader. Um, I don't leave pens lying around. I don't leave papers lying around. Um, I clean up rubbish if there's a if there's a mess in the plant. And I think that's really critical because as an organisation grows, you can have the the best possible um, operating systems. Um, you can have the best possible work plans, but if you don't have people buying into the culture, then those little things at the margin that really differentiate your business from from others evaporate. And I think that's a, always a balance of time day to day is managing, you know, day to day operations, bottom line and new business at the same time, having to focus on staff and culture and making sure that thin red line is consistent. So as a young executive of the year and just a young executive of all, you've obviously got energy and attention to that. So you have a little third year, if you like, that keeps, what would you say makes your leadership style different or perhaps unique than perhaps other leaders that you've worked with before? What's your USP? Look, that's a, that's a very difficult uh, question. I, I think um, inclusiveness is a big one. It's not, it's not about the employer and the staff. You know, it's, it's about the, the team. And I think um, everybody that, that works with me understands that, you know, that we operate um, an egalitarian culture um, everybody has a, a voice and what's good for staff is good for the executive, is good for shareholders. And um, I, I have seen companies where that's not the case and that sort of adversarial interaction is never going to be sustainable in the long run. So I think if I had to pinpoint one attribute on the spot, I'd, I'd say it's that, that um, I aim to be inclusive, um, I, I wait um, everybody's view equally. Um, I, I take it on board and, and, and I try and incorporate that into improving the company as we grow. I think one of the things you mentioned before as well when you when I asked you about leadership style and, and the things that you like to hang your hat on is that you said every experience, you know, life doesn't actually differentiate between background, you know, financial status, what it's going to throw curveballs regardless. And that kind of you know, global vision of yours means that you just take on learning experiences like, well, it's, it doesn't matter where you come from or what you're doing, you could be, you know, hit with any kind of bad news or any kind of challenge. So does that fortitude help you inside the organisation as well? Look, absolutely. And, and that's an important value driver. I get very frustrated when people say that um, that's not my responsibility, that's not my fault. Uh, the reality is, uh, Bad things happen to good people. Life does throw curveballs at you. And uh, my starting point has always been, what have I done to contribute to this? Now, that might sound silly, but that should be the starting point. Uh, how, can, how can I make this situation better? How can I extract the value from, from the negative? And there's always a, a silver lining. So I think the, the positive thought process 
and and taking accountability uh, again is is something that uh, I hope people recognise I do and um, use to their benefit in in growing in their respective roles and and, and growing personally. I think this is really hard for me in this conversation because I think I could talk to you for hours about the stuff. The big word is accountability. I think we spoke before, my little mantra, two types of people in life, people that life does stuff to or people that do things with life. And I think that when you're hiring people or you are a leader, you have to have, you know, you're only as good as your brief in life as well. And I, I think inclusiveness is a really, really great way of describing how you communicate about your business and how you are and what the small time that I've met you so far and how also you're communicated about inside the industry. What three tangible things do you think you could give other CEOs, leaders, even entrepreneurs that are building their teams or taking their business to the next level? Three tangible things. Is it about like having not only having your mission statements up on the wall, but as a leader demonstrating what taking that writing off the paper and into practice? What little three little tips, little Thomas musings you could give? Uh, well, I'm not sure I'm I'm in the position just yet to proffer advice. Um, I, I'm still starting out in this caper, um, but to um, the extent that it could be used uh, usefully. Uh, look, I would say that, um, and, and it's in line with the conversation we've been having, um, culture is important. It's one of those interesting things that uh, you learn about um, in university textbooks and you think it's this nefarious component that doesn't really add um, true value when you're studying, but then you immerse yourself in a company and you realise how significant it is. And um, I think it's important that everybody throughout the organisation feels and, and buys into the, the culture. Um, so that would be uh, number one. Uh, number two for me would be the, uh, the inclusiveness and the communication piece. It's, it's dangerous to assume that people are, are directionally aligned. It's dangerous to assume we're all on the bus if we haven't actually spent the time articulating the, the vision and articulating the process steps we need to, to take to get there. Um, and, and the third piece you know, really is about um, being disciplined and, and being reliable in the way that you approach uh, your day-to-day activity. I think every time um, I, work, I walk into the workplace, I'm projecting an image, I'm, I'm projecting a way of doing things, and um, if I'm having an off day, you know, that could influence behaviours for, for, for many weeks subsequent. So I think it's really important as a leader to provide the, the consistency, the, the continuity, and, and do so in a, in a positive context so people can, can uh, align with that and, and, and use it to their benefit. And I think all that's wrapped up in your visibility. You walk the, the floors, you're very accessible for people, you know, it's the, the pressing, the flash, the listening and those sort of things. Those are really key pillars of leadership in any organisation. You look at Richard Branson and, and even people in political leadership positions, it's all about being heard and letting people feel that they're being connected. So because you've got all this information and your vision and, you know, this responsibility, what do you do to create mental space so that you can provide consistency and you can turn up polished and ready to listen? What little things do you do to create time for yourself in, in this busy world? It's, it's an interesting question. I, I think it, this world is a lot busier than it needs to be. You know, we're, we're living in the information age, we're living in the, in the digital age, and, and I think 
those types of influences can be quite dangerous. Uh, I often see people in meetings picking up the phone, looking at emails. Uh, they're at home with family, doing the same thing. Uh, so one of the simple things I did very early in the piece was um, I banned television, not not in its entirety. I still watch the Essendon Football Club play, although less so this year. But I make a point of not getting home and and turning on the television. I make a point of putting the phone downstairs and giving myself a window of mental space where I can think about what I'm doing at home and what I'm doing at work. And I, I don't think people in modern society give themselves enough balcony time. No, uh, you, you just don't see that. Digital and, detox. And, and we, we can always spare some time for that, for, for being strategic. And I think we can always spare some time for for exercise. And again, and it works for me, it may not work for others, but when I exercise, I, I don't have the, the music on, or I don't have the, the phone with me because again, that's just noise. That's just background noise. I immerse myself in, in exercise and, and I think, and um, I feel that's been a tremendous help uh, to me. But uh, again, we're all different people. We all have different uh, ways of doing things. Well, I think as a fitpreneur, uh, you know, mentally fit and physically fit as well, it enables you to be emotionally agile, to deal with challenges, to balance everything. And the 1% is 14.4 minutes of a day. And yes. if we all commit 1% to a certain thing, whether it be well-being or creativity or whatever else, it's really not a lot to ask. And I think that true leadership knows when you need to slow down and, and you don't have to actually apologize for bringing those elements into your day. And finding fitness is going to be different for you than it might be for me or other things, but it's all about finding what makes your heart sing and, and not saying you're too old or you're too busy. Really, it's life is now. You know, FedEx is not going to send us a new body tomorrow. This is it. Yes. In order to make great mental decisions, we have to be physically capable and and have that fresh oxygenated intelligence bank, I like to call it. So I think that, you know, this segues us beautifully onto our next interview together, which is about the three pillars of leadership. And one of the things that you spoke about and when we were talking before, and we're just going to wrap up this interview, is that you have to lead by example before you can lead others. And that's something I can't wait to talk to you about on this next interview. So for those of you that have been listening to this, either on the podcast, don't forget you can download notes on the vitalitycoach.com.au on the podcast. You can go on to the YouTube channel, Vitality Coach TV. Also, I'm sure you'll find a copy of the interview and transcription on mainstream aquaculture if they approve what we end up with. Boris is available as well. He's very uh, well connected on LinkedIn and on mainstreamaquaculture.com. Right. Uh, so yes. no.au, that's .com. Really, really interesting company, not only for what they're doing inside the industry, but how they're actually growing their teams and becoming sustainable on the bottom line, as well as providing, you know, a, a long-term future for, for food and, and what people are actually going to be, how we're going to be managing what's on our dinner plate in the years to come. I think it's very naive to think that everything that we have now will suddenly be there in a decade's time. So that's another discussion as well. It is. Thanks, Boris. I would. I think we're going to put on there those three key tips that you had about, you know, being visible and transparent, communicating, making sure also that you walk the talk, that you, and also that attention to detail, that you're well presented, and that you, uh, when people come in, you're consistent, and they know what to expect. They know when they can ask and be available. Those are really, really great pillars that I think everybody needs to be reminded about. You're the Young Executive of the Year. I'm going to keep drumming it in because it's fantastic accolade and very, very well deserved. You can find out more about Boris on the bottom of the show notes. I'll also put some links 
Don't forget you can download this for free on iTunes and we would love to have you back. If you do have questions for comments for Boris or myself, you can leave a link as well. And I know that we'll be lucky to have Boris back on the show again to talk about the three pillars of leadership. Thank you, Nikki. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning in. For all the show notes from this episode, tips, tools, and also my eBooks, hop online to www.thevitalitycoach.com.au. As always, health and happiness.